Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. Awesome. Well, hey, it is so good to be in church. Come around God's word again. I'm joined with three of my friends here. I've got John Lum, I've got Nick Edwards, and I've got Aaron Manners. And uh, over the last few weeks, we've been talking about influence and talking about things like finding your kingdom call and that my life can create a pathway for other people's lives. And Pastor Paul, some amazing messages on activating truth and discovering what God has for you. If you've missed any of those weeks, please jump online and listen to the messages. And uh, we're going to continue today on that whole thought around influence and what influence looks like. And I'm going to start with just telling you a bit of a story. About a few years ago, I was in America and my father, who uh, I had seen, I don't know, maybe once in 15 years, we went over there to have Christmas with him. And he'd invited us over there to kind of reconnect, meet his wife, connect with his new family who I hadn't yet met. And to be honest with you, I didn't know what I was walking into had no idea of the environment I was walking into. But our prayer was, God, help us bring Jesus to that environment. Help us just to what you've done in my life in the last 15 years. Help me shine that wherever I go. Help me to be a channel of that wherever I go. So we get there. We were going to do a bunch of fun stuff. Hadn't, again, hadn't seen him in a long time. So he'd planned to take us to Disneyland and San Diego and a bunch of fun stuff. And Uh, One of these days we went to San Diego, we went down there for dinner, hung out, and my father had borrowed a friend of his Toyota Tundra truck. Now, if you've never been to America, think about a Toyota Hilux on steroids, and you end up with a Toyota Tundra, because everything's bigger over there, right? Bigger's better, not really, but uh, that was the deal. So he'd borrowed his friend's Toyota Tundra truck. We go down to San Diego. It was about, an, I think, about an hour and a half drive back. We're on our way back, and we get a flat tire on the side of the interstate. That's what they call their motorways. On the side of the interstate, 10 o'clock at night, just outside of San Diego, which is close to Mexico, uh, and if you don't know a lot about America, the last place you want to be on the, is on the side of the road at 10 o'clock at night near the border of Mexico when there was a little bit of civil unrest, nothing huge, nothing like we're seeing overseas, but there was a bit of tension there. So uh, as we stop and we see this flat tire, my father starts to go into this kind of nervous panic. Like, what are we going to do? Like, what are we going to do? Because even if someone comes along... His friend had put new wheels on the truck and put what they call lock nuts on the wheels. Lock nuts are a nut that has a special pattern on it that you need the key, if you like, to unlock the nut. It's to stop people stealing your new wheels. And each one of these lock nuts has an individual pattern to get it off. There's, they're all different. There's like dozens and dozens and dozens of different shaped lock nuts. So we're sitting on the side of the road, not knowing what's going to happen, and about A few minutes after we'd stopped, another green Toyota Tundra, exactly the same car, pulls up and a guy jumps out. I thought it was an angel till I saw him because angels certainly don't look like that, uh, I don't think. So this guy jumps out and he says to me, hey, can I help you? And my father says to him, yeah, I hope you can. I'm not sure whether you're going to be able to, but we've got a flat tire and tells him about the lock nut. And the guy goes, hey, 
A few weeks ago, I put new wheels on my car and I put a lock nut on as well. Let's give it a shot. Again, there are, I would say, dozens, if not hundreds, of different types of lock nuts. This guy pulls the lock nut out of his ashtray, attaches it to my dad's friend's ute, and it's exactly the same lock nut pattern. Changes the wheels, jumps back in his truck, but before he jumps in his truck, turns around, looks my dad in the eye and goes, I just want you to know that God loves you and God sees you and drives off. Church, look at me, look at me. Influence is not a bumper sticker. It's not a Christian t-shirt. If that's your thing, knock yourself out. It's not posting a bunch of memes on your Instagram account. Influence is wherever I am, I can bring what Jesus has done in my life and hopefully it makes a difference. Influence is I'm gonna stop when I feel prompted to some random people on the side of the road, and if God prompts me, tell them God sees them. I promise you that random non-angel looking angel had no idea of the spiritual journey my dad was on and the weight those words meant to him. You know, right now overseas, we're watching an oppressive leader invade another country and the army that he has sent in is leaving a wake of darkness and death. Do you know the good news? The gospel is exactly the same thing in the opposite direction. The gospel goes into places where there is darkness and there is death and brings light and hope. And the gospel turns up when you and I go to work and school and our neighborhood. We are called to influence our world with light and life. John 8 verse 12 says this, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Do you know that as you become a Christian, as I become a Christian, we get our sins forgiven, we get the mark of the Holy Spirit, we get a relationship with God. We are full of the good news. The Bible says, whoever connects with God is full of the light of the gospel, that we are not the same. We've been changed forever. Come on, anyone thank God that His light and His life has invaded your world and made a difference on the inside of you. I'm certainly grateful for that. And then second Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says this. I want you to hear this. But you, not the person next to you, not the person who's been a Christian a little bit longer, not the person who's had a better week, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Catch this. God's special possession. What would your week look like this week? What would my week look like this week if I went in on the foundation of I'm God's special possession? That I'm chosen and I'm special. Why? So that I can be special and I can be chosen? No, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light that you are God's special possession, that we are God's mouthpiece to go and influence our world with what God has done on the inside of us. You know, it was said to Spider-Man, if you've watched the Spider-Man movies, with great power comes great responsibility. 
I reckon we could rephrase that with great news becomes great responsibility. That we are charged with the most amazing task to take the light that has invaded our world, the life that has invaded our world and influence our worlds wherever we go with the reality of Jesus. That Jesus is saying to us, would you take what I've done in you? You're my special possession. Would you take what I've done in you and allow it to make a difference in someone else? But Jesus here says, hey, I've given you light, but here's your part to play. Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. Friend, you, me. Not the evangelist, not the guy who's great at bringing people to church. You are the light of the world. You know that the apostle Paul said to Timothy the pastor, do the work of an evangelist. That we're all called to do the work of influencing our world with the reality of Jesus. But you are the light of the world, a town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a, under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone, everyone in the house. I would hazard a guess that none of us would get the full scale of the influence our light can have just by letting it shine. I reckon only eternity will tell the full story of what we do when we say, God, would you use my light? Because he says, not you may be the light of the world. You know, there's a scripture that says some will be apostles, some will be pastors, some will be. That's real cool because it means if I don't feel like it, I'm not some of the some. But here he doesn't give us that out. He says, you are the light of the world. If you know Jesus, then you are called to influence your world with light and life. I've told the story before about Michael the Milkman. When I was 15 years old, there was a guy two streets down, owned a milk run gave me a job over summer and he was a, a, a Christian who ran the local youth ministry. Every time I got in the milk truck, there was Christian worship playing. I'm like, ah, shut it off. I hadn't told anyone what was going on in my home life, the addiction, the abuse, the, the stuff that was going on. I remember after working with him for about six months, sitting in his milk truck and him telling me about a Jesus who loves me and my life has never been the same. Why? Because someone with a microphone, no, because Michael the milkman used his milk run to influence a 15-year-old kid who is now doing what I'm doing today. Why? Because a milkman said, God, let me use my world for influence. Doesn't matter what you do. Doesn't matter what your vo vocation is. Doesn't matter what's in your world. God wants to use it to influence others. And I'm going to ask my three friends, what does that look like in your world? Jono, in terms of using your life, and we live in the 21st century, what does it look like to influence someone else in your world? Well, Pastor Scott, I, I love uh, what you said about with great news comes great responsibility. And uh, the thing is, is that when I hear responsibility, I feel the pressure. I'm a responsible older son um, Asian as well, so you know that's, that's been raised to be very dutiful and, and all of that. But when I hear responsibility, I, I get the pressure because there's so many people that need to know the love of Jesus, so many people that are yet to be saved. And that can get super overwhelming for me. And I've got to be honest, during this series, I've been challenged 
about what am I doing to share the gospel and to be the light amongst everyone else. And um, there's a story in the Bible in Luke 19 where Jesus models, and he modeled this through his whole life. He sees, he's walking through a crowd, there's people all around him, and he looks up in Luke 19, he looks up and he sees a man by the name of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is, uh, has climbed up because he's short, he can't see Jesus, and he's looking for Jesus. And Jesus looks up, sees him, and calls him and says, hey, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. And long story short, Jesus goes to his house. Don't know what happens in terms of that conversation, but Zacchaeus is changed. He becomes a Christian. In fact, the Bible, it goes on to say that Zacchaeus became a bishop in the early church, which is an amazing transformation. But for me, the lesson is, when looking at that, do I have an attitude of looking up for the one, looking up amongst the crowd, to go and look for the individual. Very recently, I'll be honest with you, I celebrated a very significant birthday. I turned 40. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. No way. Two words. First word, thank you. Second word, Botox. I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> Can't afford it. Anyways. But my wife organized this amazing staycation for us, and I was in the middle of the city, and I haven't been around crowds or anything like that for a while, and I'm standing there walking through downtown Auckland, and there are people milling around everywhere, and even now, like, I'm not used to being around people, and I feel myself getting a little bit like, whoa, there's a lot going on, and I feel like God tells me, look up. And so I look up and past the street level, past all the people, I see these beautiful buildings, beautiful, beautiful buildings. I'm a fan of architecture, and for a minute there, I, I, I look from above the crowd, and I see the beauty and the wonder of our city. Could we as people, as a church that's called to impact and change our generation with the reality of Jesus, not feel the pressure of having to reach everyone, but be people, for me, myself, to be someone that sees the individual, right. sees the person is, right. that's looking. And then what do I do with that? Because then there's another pressure. There's the pressure then that, oh, I've got to share with them the seven, five, six, eight spiritual laws and tell them all of that. And I've almost, like, I feel this pressure to be like, I've got to share with them the theory of Jesus. But that's not what I'm called to do. I'm called to share the reality of Jesus. But if I'm being honest, once again, the reality of my humanity makes that a very, very scary proposition. Uh, for some of you who don't know my story, I have had cancer now three times. And that in itself is an amazing testimony, but I have scars. Like You'll be able to zoom in and see them maybe on the camera. I have scars, three surgery scars, where they've taken basically chunks of my neck out. In some angles, you can look and you can see I'm just one head and a lollipop stick. You can laugh, it's okay. But I'm, sometimes if I'm honest and I'm sharing this with my team, I feel really, really, really insecure about the way that I look. I feel insecure about the, the humanity, that I've, the things that I've done, the people that I've hurt. And then I find myself being reminded well, hang on a minute, 
I am all those things. That is my reality of Jesus, my reality of humanity. But the reality of Jesus in my life was that he saw me in those moments. He healed me. He restored me. He changed me. He restored my relationships. He brought people to me to speak into my life. That's my reality of Jesus. All of us here in this room, for those watching online, we all have a reality of Jesus that we can share. We don't need to share the theory, and we don't need to be scared of our humanity. But we can be transparent in sharing that. So for me, this series has just been a real challenge for me. Am I seeing people? Am I seeing the individual? And then am I being bold and courageous to share my story, my reality of Jesus? Because as a church, we're called to impact and change our generation with the reality of Jesus. And so could you imagine if all of us collectively took on that, that mandate, that mission, what we could do as a church, where it wasn't just about releasing finances to the community, which is awesome, but that we would see cities, nations, generations changed. And so, Nick, I'd love you to share a little bit about how we could do that. Totally, love to. I, um, I love this thought about impacting and changing at our generation. You know, like each one of us a part of a generation, each one of us a part of a societal structure that we have an opportunity to bring impact and change to. And I don't know if you've ever seen at the end of the news every week, they do this segment called Good Sorts. And uh, if you can put up with all of the bad news that happens, you finally get to the sport, which I always think is a personal highlight. You get through the weather and, you know, they get it right 50% of the time. But at the end of the news, once a week, they have this segment called Good Sorts. And for 10 years, they've been showing clips of people in our community that have truly embraced the way that they are designed, embraced the talents and the gifts and the time that they have available in order to impact people around them. But as I watch this particular segment uh, every now and then, I am constantly in awe of the fact that whenever they interview the person, that individual never really seems to understand that what they're doing can have such an amazing impact on somebody else. The comment time and time again is, well, I just am doing what I love or I've just shown up week in, week out because I really enjoy what I'm doing. But then they talk to the people that have impacted and they say, my life would not be the same if this person wasn't part of it. And as we've gone through this series, I've been really challenged personally about the fact that relationship is the currency that actually unlocks the opportunity to bring about impact and change. And if you're sitting here this morning or you're watching us online, I want to encourage you that if you're looking for an opportunity to build relationship, I believe there is no better way to do it than through generosity. If you can show to somebody else that you're generous with not just your finances, but maybe it's your time, maybe it's your talents, it's the things that you do, can I encourage you that it is so different to what people are used to? The reason generosity can cut through, the reason that generosity can break through the barriers in order to help create a relationship is that it is so countercultural. I love what it says in Proverbs. It says, a generous person will prosper. But this is the part that captures me. Whoever uh, refreshes others will be refreshed. 
I don't know about you, but that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So what you're saying here in the Bible is that if I give of my time, if I, if I help somebody else, if I'm generous outwardly, that I will be refreshed? Well, can I encourage you that as you give of your time and your talents, as you do what God's asked you to do, and you build relationship, can I encourage you that you can make a difference and impact and change? But the thing about generosity isn't just that it's um, countercultural, it's actually that it comes in so many different forms that it may not feel natural, but it should be natural. It may not come naturally to you in the way that we think generosity is, but can I encourage you that it is natural and it should be more natural. I love what Pastor Paul shared last week. He said this, fulfillment is found in our God call. You know, when we're walking in the way that God has wired us, when we're walking in the way that God has designed us, when we are doing the things that fulfill us, it's amazing how much of an impact it can have on those around us. You know, my role here at Life, I have the privilege of heading up community, and week in, week out, I watch so many volunteers that apply this principle. Generosity looks so different, and yet in so many ways, they bring what they have to impact and change those around them. You know, you may be sitting here or watching today and thinking, you know, I could never be the person that welcomes someone into church. That's way too scary. Can I encourage you? You don't need to force what you aren't comfortable with. Generosity should be the way in which you're wired and it should flow naturally from who you are and how God's designed you. You may not want to stand at the front door and say hi to everyone, but then you could be part of our incredible car park team or operations team that behind the scenes are serving so faithfully week in, week out to ensure that people have an amazing experience in church. We have so many volunteers that in our community kitchens love to sit across the table and, and have a conversation, but many of our team just sometimes want to stand in the kitchen and help serve the food. But as each one of them brings their talents and as their gifts, you know what they're doing? They're building a bridge. They're connecting with someone. They're building a relationship because out of relationship opens an incredible door into someone's world to bring impact and change. Recently, my wife and I, we moved into a new neighborhood and, and I've been really cha challenged about this idea, this concept, this commandment that Jesus shares in Matthew 22. He says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. But hear this this morning. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Church, wherever your position, whatever your life looks like, there is an opportunity today for you to be generous to those around you. Reach out to your neighbor. I don't know about you, but in my neighborhood, as I've met all the people around me, there's some amazing people that have lived there for years and decades. They all say the same thing. Oh, we've been meaning to connect. We've been meaning to catch up. But internally, I'm saying, okay, that's my time. That's my decision to do what God's given me, the gifts, the talents. How can I reach out to them to create an opportunity to build a relationship that from that, God can bring impact and change into their world. Hopefully today you're getting a picture that influence is not a title. Influence is not a position. Influence yeah. is not I'm rostered at church. Influence is I'm going to take the light that God's given me and I'm going to see people. John, I encourage it. Let's just see people. 
Imagine if we walked into work tomorrow and just saw people differently and then began to engage them with our story. Or like Nick, I'm, I'm gonna build a connection with generosity. Uh, I'm, gonna build a gener- I'm gonna build a connection with the generosity of my words or the generosity of my time, my talent, my treasure. I'm gonna influence people through seeing people. I'm gonna influence people through serving people with generosity. And then, Aaron, I've watched you influence people by living a life. I mean, obviously you and I work together here, but both of us have lives outside of here and the same call that we're putting out to our church, we have to live day in, day out. Tell us what it looks like in your world. Yeah, well, I I completely agree with what you guys are saying. And, And as Nick said, the greatest commandment that God gave us was to love God and to love people. And I think for each of us, when we get that revelation, I know we love God, but when we truly understand the way that God's heartbeat works, then the compassion and the love for people are just an overflow of that. And it's so much more than just telling people about Jesus. Yes, we need to do that. But we need to actually show people who Jesus is through the way that we live our lives and the way that we love others. I love what it says in 1 John 3.18. It says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but in actions and in truth. So just like Jesus did, we need to, yes, see people, as Jono said, But more than just see them and notice them, we need to connect with them at a heart level. And I love that Jesus set the example for us and how to do that everywhere he went. He took time to see and to notice the lost and the broken and the disenfranchised, the tax collector, the fisherman, the leper, the prostitute, the religious person, the rich young ruler. He took time to see them and to meet them right where they're at. And we need to do the same thing in our own world. And I know for myself, I can find that hard sometimes because I get distracted. I mean, I love my phone and think we all do. Some of us here in the auditorium, you're on your phone and you're not taking notes. And you, you see that when you're out with people. People are together and yet they're focused on what's in front of them or their minds are elsewhere. And not seeing the mum at the school gate, the cleaner who works in your office, your colleague or that elderly neighbour who is alone. And each of us have opportunities to reach out and to do something, even if it's just something small. It is our responsibility to do that. You know, my daughter, Ariella, she's my oldest, and she's, she's a firecracker. And a couple of years ago, she, uh, in school, she's about eight or nine, I think it was, and she had this amazing teacher who was such a great teacher. And uh, she used to talk to him about God and church all the time, because that's just how, how she, you know, communicates with people. And uh, our church at the time had been making these little rubber wristbands. I don't know if you were around long enough to remember that, but they were little black bands, a little bracelet that said lost and found on it. And she decided that she wanted to get one for him. And to be honest, I thought it was a little bit quirky. So I was like, oh, you sure you want to do that? But no, she insisted. She wanted to give him one of those wristbands. And so she did. And to my absolute surprise and delight, for months after that day, every time I saw that teacher, he was wearing this little rubber bracelet. It was absolutely incredible. God obviously was doing something in his life. And so Ari kept being salt and light as she does And uh, a year went by, and she invited him to the Christmas Spectacular, which he came along to with his family. He loved it. And then a few weeks later, he was in church, and he's been at life ever since. Isn't that incredible? 
It is so awesome. And just to think what a, an eight or a nine-year-old girl can do, how much more should each one of us take responsibility just to be prompted by the Holy Spirit and reach out to somebody who, who we are in proximity with who may need us? So Jesus, he saw people, he connected with them, but then he also was committed to serving others. I love Philippians 2. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same attitude as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the nature of a servant." That is so challenging, right? But God has called us to do the same, to lay our life down for people in service to them, just like Jesus did. And it's not always easy because we live in a very me-first culture. We are all about expanding our lives, getting the right career, making more money. We fill our lives with all of these things that aren't all bad things, but if we're not careful, they can distract us from the priority that we should all carry to serve people with everything that we have. You know, there's a, an amazing group of young people at Life led by Jono, young adults, who have decided that every month they're going to go into a single mum's home and they're going to clean up the garden or do some maintenance or whatever they can do. We got this incredible testimony from one of the mums. She said, my garden had become overgrown throughout the COVID lockdown and I had my job hours reduced to part-time. This caused me huge anxiety. Thank you all this morning for bringing this jungle of weeds back to being manageable for me. The garden looks incredible. I'm deeply grateful for the hours of work to help me and my family. We are able to enjoy our garden again. I cannot thank you enough. Here we have a group of young people who could be doing anything on a Saturday morning, but they give up their time to serve and to love practically a family who they had never even met. And I think that's a challenge for all of us is to ask ourselves that question. Who are we reaching out to? Who do I need to notice? Who could I make a meal for in this season of isolation and COVID? What do I need to do to make a difference in the world around me? You know, the Bible says that we are co-workers with God. What a privilege to be entrusted with that, to be Jesus's hands and feet in a practical way. Can we give these three a huge, huge hand? See people, serve people, and through relationships, see them saved. See, serve, saved. I love what William Booth said. He said, I'm not waiting for a move of God. I am a move of God. Imagine if every one of us this week went into our workplaces, our neighborhoods, our sports teams and said, I'm not waiting for someone to come in and bring God. I am here to bring God. You know, this past season of the last couple of years has created a very self-centric survival mentality. And I think this 
little period we're in has even reinforced that what happens if I go into isolation and am I groceries sorted out and am I going to be able to get food and what's happening with me and my family and, and we've got to take care of those we're responsible for but church we were never called to live a life focused on self and not my rights and my hopes and my decisions and my this and my that Jesus never lived that Jesus lived what can I do to influence others how can I see others how can I serve others and how can I see people introduced to the same saviour that I know my nine year old son he's now sorry he's now 11 don't let him see that he'd be horrified if I called him nine publicly I remember when he first went to school and he came home one day with absolute shock now this may be an indictment on our parenting that we didn't get him out of the Christian bubble but this kid's a church rat like he, every time the church doors are open, he's there. He's at rehearsals with his mum some weeks. He's got our house where we've got people over and we're talking church. And so that, fair enough, maybe indictment on us. But he came home one day after going to school. I think he'd been there a year or two. And he's like, Mom, I was talking to George today. And George isn't a Christian. Like he couldn't believe that there was someone who didn't know Jesus. What would it look like if our church flipped the script and it, the most normal thing in the world is for people to know Jesus? The most natural thing in the world is for people to be introduced to Jesus. Because my son said to his mum, he's like, Mum, I'm going to make sure I tell him <coughs> about Jesus. I'm going to get him to church. And I watched this little kid in a moment have this eye opening of someone doesn't know Jesus and I need to introduce them to Jesus. Church, whether you're in the room, whether you're online, I'm just giving you a heads up. This year, we are going to up the temperature of our responsibility to influence our world with the good news and the gospel that Jesus has. That we will go into our workplaces. That we will go into our schools and make a difference with the person of Jesus. Would you stand to your feet with me all over the room? If you're in a local or if you're at home and you can, would you stand to your feet? Because I want to pray for us. That we wouldn't come on a Sunday morning and hear a message from three people about serving people, seeing people and seeing people saved. But we would walk out of here with a commitment. I'm going to influence my world differently this week. Why? I'm going to wear something different. I'm going to do something different. No, I'm going to bring the light that's in me and let it shine where I go and let that make a difference. I want to remind you, Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says this. You are. Look at me. You are the light of the world, a town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and hide it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house, everyone in your work, everyone in your school, everyone in your neighbourhood should feel a little bit lighter because we walk in not with a sense of I've got to, but a sense of God, let the light that's in me shine and bring hope where there is darkness. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Church, this week, will we let our light shine so that our good deeds can cause others 
to glorify the same God that we serve. Let's point people, to let's influence their eyesight and their hope to the God who loves them and the God who is for them because you're His special possession. Go out and shine this week. If you want to make a commitment like me to bring the light, to bring influence wherever I go this week, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for myself. Whether you're online or in the auditorium and you say, hey, this week, Holy Spirit, help me to see people. Help me to serve people. Help me to build relationship that would ultimately end up in them discovering the same Saviour I have. If that's you, lift your hand all over the building, all over the locals, every room you're in. Father, I pray that this would be a moment where we are marked and stirred to influence our world. God, will we have a fresh revelation that we are your special possessions to be used by you to cause people to live in the light, the light of your hope, the light of your call, the light of your cause, the light of a relationship with you. God, would we go out this week where there is darkness and hopelessness? Would we bring light? Would we shine? Would there be no pressure to be anything? Would we just allow what you've done in us to shine through us and make a difference? We make a decision to be available and say, Jesus, use us in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Come on, can we give God a huge hand that He would use us for His kingdom to come. Church, we love you. Have an amazing week this week. Go out and let your light shine. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you were encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life. And we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at any of our Auckland campuses. If you're not in Auckland, then check us out, Church Online, wherever you are in the world. Just head to lifenz.org or download the Life app to stay connected and find out more.